You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Peak Church, located in Apex, North Carolina. Our church is striving to welcome all who are feeling disconnected from God. And so our hope is that over the next several minutes, you will connect with the God that we are talking about, and you'll resonate deeply with the life that this God wants for you. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, Peak Church. Our scripture reading today is from Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will get into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of the Father who is in heaven will enter. On the judgment day, many people will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and expel demons in your name and do lots of miracles in your name? Then I will tell them, I've never known you. Get away from me, you people who do wrong. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. A recent study done by the Pew Research Center polled people of faith. So not just like the average American, not just the average person, people like you. And they asked the question of how often do you pray? The answers were quite interesting. So here's the the results they found. So all the way to the right, uh, persons who said, ah, seldomly, not really, uh, 29%. People who pray monthly-ish, that number is about 6%. Weekly, about 16%. And at least daily, 55%. And you might look at that and you might be like, well, 55 ain't bad. Like, it could be better, but it's not bad. Like, over half, that's pretty good. But you have to realize that actually there's a larger trend happening. So that same study asked a follow-up question and was sort of looking at the results of this over years, and they found this that in 2007, the people who were praying and talking to God on a daily basis was somewhere in the neighborhood of 58%. And so in 2014, which is when the study was completed, that number was down to 55%. And do you want to know what that number is now? 48%. Simply put, we are in a time right now whereby people of faith are talking to God less frequently than they ever have. Why? Well, today, if you're joining us for the very first time, we're continuing a sermon series that we actually started a couple of weeks ago. The sermon series is called Committed. We've been using the month of August, we've been using this sort of post-summer sort of time to give ourselves a chance to recommit, to recalibrate, realign with the five essentials for intentional faith. What are those five essentials, you might be asking? For us, here in our tradition, they are the following. To love God, to engage God, to engage spiritually by way of our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And so as you may have guessed, today, the particular sort of spiritual discipline that we're honing in in, honing in on are our prayers. And today, we're going to seek answers to We're going to dig at this, these these findings, these trends, to see why. 
these trends might be happening in the first place. Let's jump in. If you have your Bibles with you and you want to follow along today, today we're going to be camped out in Matthew chapter 7. So you just heard Diane read our passage of Scripture for today just a moment ago. Full transparency, this passage of Scripture, these couple verses in the Bible are some of the verses that I reflect upon the most. These are actually verses in the Bible that I find myself wrestling with the most. Not just because I'm a pastor, but because as a Christian, whenever I read Jesus' words here, his somewhat startling words here, I want to make sure that I get that conversation right. And so what's going on here, right? It's kind of a strange passage. Jesus, in some ways, if you read on the surface, it feels kind of cold. It feels kind of sort of like detached. What's happening here? And so it's actually helpful to do a little bit of the digging, understand the context of what's transpiring. So... What's going on is Jesus is wrapping up his Sermon on the Mount. He's wrapping up his very first big public address to people, talking about his kingdom, talking about uh, his teachings. And at the very end, he sort of forecasts. He says, in the life to come, there will be people who come to me, and they want access to this kingdom. They want access to this world. They want access to all these beautiful, wonderful things that I'm talking about. And this is going to be their rationalization. On Judgment Day, many people will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, uh, we, uh, we should get in, right? Like, we deserve to be here, right? Because, look, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we expel demons in your name? Didn't we do lots of miracles for you? In other words, in the life to come, there will be people who come to Jesus and say, I deserve to be in there. Look at all the stuff I've done. Look at my spiritual resume that I'm bringing to the table. But how does Jesus respond? He responds in this really startling way whereby he says, I'll tell them, away from me, I've never known you. I've never known you. And what's interesting is, again, like on first blush, that might feel cold, might feel a little bit like harsh. But Jesus actually chose his words very, very carefully here. You see, the word that Jesus uses for known, I never knew you, I've never never known you, the Greek word is actually genosko, genosko. And this actually, this word for the ancient Israelites, this would have been a loaded word. This would have been a word that carried a lot of connotation. It would have hearkened back to all those Old Testament stories that talked about knowing in like the deepest, deepest sense. Knowing in Old Testament was actually to become open, purely, totally open with someone, to be vulnerable with someone, to be completely ready and willing to be a part of an intimate, involved relationship with them. And so knowing that context, we could actually kind of retranslate it here in 2023, whereby Jesus might have said something like, away from me, you never let me in. I tried. I really wanted to be a part of your life, but you always kept me at arm's length. Away from me, you, you're not actually interested in friendship with me. You see, what Jesus does here in this moment is really powerful. He resets the bar for entry. 
He resets the expectation you and I ought to have for those who get to participate and be uh, part and, and engage the kingdom of God, not only in this life, but in the life to come by saying that the people who will finally encounter me in my abundant life and this kingdom that I've come to bring are those who I call friends. The barrier to entry as simple as that, that it's friendship, it's relationship. It's not all the things you did for God while you were here. How does Jesus say in another place? He says this, he says, uh, I no longer call you servants. In other words, it ain't about all the stuff you did. It ain't all the, about the stuff you didn't do. It's not about this, this the, the way this thing works is it's not about sort of accumulating a spiritual resume, a spiritual report card that you can bring to me and sort of stamp it and let you know what I'm after. The only thing I'm after is a relationship with people who want to be open to me and me with them. And so... Going back to our sermon series for this month, hopefully it begins to make a whole lot of sense as to why we chose this particular scripture passage for the week on prayer. Because, friends, prayer is where your and my friendship with God begins. Quite frankly, furthermore, it's the place where your and my relationship, my friendship with God deepens. It becomes richer. It's the place where I get to not only talk to God, but God gets to talk to me. It's the place where I get to ask things of God, and God gets to ask things of me. And so now let's go back to those statistics I shared with you at the very beginning of this message, because now it kind of reframes them a little bit, and it sort of asks a very different question of not how many times did I do the chore of praying, but it asks a very different question now of looking at those stats earlier. How much time have you made for your friendship with God lately? How much space do you carve out for this relationship? Maybe the hardest question of all. What kind of friend have you been to God? And listen, no judgment, no guilt. I think this is actually a place where we as a culture, we as a society, struggle mightily. I, I believe that what Jesus is doing here actually might just be one of the most countercultural things Jesus says to the world here in 2023. Why? Because, friends, increasingly the society we live in, the culture we live in, is placing increasingly less and less and less value on actually knowing one another. I'll prove it to you. The only place I know currently, right now, sort of like out in the world that is not doing this, that's doing actually a phenomenal job of getting to know one another, is Trader Joe's. <laughs> Never go to Trader Joe's if you're looking for a quick shopping visit, like a quick sort of in and out, like we're trying to move on. I did this wrong the other day, made the mistake the other day, show Trader Joe's, I got a couple of things, I'm sort of flying through the line, and whenever you meet them, it's like they're coached in pastoral counseling. I went to, I know, I know all the tips. And they just sort of, I walk through and the guy's sitting there, he's checking me out, checking me out. And he gives me one of those knowing looks. How's it going? <laughs> and I caved. I was like, actually, it's going okay. Okay, you don't 
give that answer to someone? Because what do they do? They start asking questions. And so lo and behold, we're right there. He's scanning my orange chicken, and he's asking all these questions about my life, where I came from, what am I stressed about? And then eventually, I think we swapped phone numbers. I'm pretty sure we're having dinner this Thursday. But I walked away from that experience, and I was like, gosh, that's just, it just goes to show how rare stuff like that is. Because increasingly, you and I live in a world, you occupy a world, you occupy an existence that is becoming more and more and more purely utilitarian. What does that word mean? It's just fancy jargon for you're increasingly living in a world, you're inhabiting a world, whereby I'll only be your friend. I'll only carry on a relationship with you. I'll only engage so long as you're useful to me. You don't have to do show of hands, but how many of you have ever had a boss like this? Someone who actually, at, when you first were getting to know them, you were first starting in the company, they actually possessed and they demonstrated a lot of care for you, a lot of concern for you. They wanted to be interested in your personal life. And then what happened when you started having something happen in your personal life that interfered with work? You were an inconvenience. You were a problem. You were someone who maybe eventually that became dispensable. And let's just get even more real. Maybe it actually was a friend for you. Maybe you had a friend, too. You were like, man, I was, like, really enjoying this connection. I was really enjoying this relationship. And we were good until I wasn't good. She would always show up, or he would always show up. They were always there for me insofar as I was okay. But the moment I started going through grief, the moment I lost my job, the moment I started going through all these problems, they vanished. I'm a visual person. And so I like to think of it this way, that uh, oftentimes why friendship nowadays is so daggum hard is because if you're in the green or the gray, you're good. But the moment your friendship, your relationship, good Lord, your freaking existence starts costing somebody something, they might bail. They might say, it's not really fun hanging out with a Debbie Downer all the time, so I'm just going to like leave them be. And again, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'm willing to bet, I'm willing to bet that most of us in this room have been on the receiving end of that coldness. I'm willing to bet that most of us in this room, you've been on the receiving end of someone's just sort of complete inability to care for you or want anything to do with you the moment that you were no longer useful to them. And let's just be real, it stinks, doesn't it? It's friggin' painful. But you want to know what's also a difficult realization? It was the realization I had this week that when it comes to my friendship with God, sometimes I've been that friend. That when I need stuff, I'm more than happy to take, 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 ask, ask, ask. But the moment that God flips the table and starts asking things of me, I'm like, 
yeah, it's not a good time. Can we come back in like four weeks or so? I got a lot going on. I can point to more times in my life than I ever care to admit, whereby I've had a lot, I've, I've been very eager to take Bible studies and little studies at church and learn things about God learn and sort of deepen my knowledge of God. But the moment God flipped it and said, hey, but let's talk about your struggle. Let's talk about your addictions. Let's talk about your patterns of destructive and unhealthy behavior. And it's just so, it's a weird coincidence that I was just never quite available to have those conversations with God whenever those were surfacing. Maybe you too have felt that before. Maybe you too have been guilty of that before. In fact, maybe you're here today thinking, yeah, that's actually exactly where I've been. And so if that's you, what I want you to see today as is an opportunity to start fresh. You see, what today is, is it's a gift. Every day is a gift. And every day, with every day, comes an opportunity for you to start this friendship anew or to start this friendship again. Now, some of you are sitting there like, yeah, dude, like I could really use this reset. Like the, when I was looking at the sort of five things, prayers, presence, gift, service, and witness, like my prayer life has just been like, ugh, like super inconsistent, super shallow. Like this is actually a place where I could do this, where I could really sort of bolster up and recommit, but I don't know how. I don't even know where to start. If that's you, we're just going to get super practical. I'm going to give you a place to start. I give you a place to start again, to start with a goal of 30 minutes a day. 30 minutes a day, can you begin to make room for this friendship in your life? Can you carve out space for this relationship in your life? Now, some of you look at that and you're like, sweet Lord, I don't want to talk to anybody for 30 minutes. And so, like, it doesn't have to happen all at the same time, okay? It doesn't have to happen all at the same time. In fact, this is the way, like, you want to, so full transparency, I'm just sort of showing you my cards. This is what a normal day looks like for me. I don't wake up and spend 30 minutes straight just talking to Jesus. I break it up. So I'll do 10 minutes in the morning, I do 10 minutes in the evening, and I do two five-minute conversations somewhere throughout the course of the day. Most of the time, it's when I'm getting buried in emails and or I'm sitting in traffic and I find my salvation is like slipping from my fingers. And so I need uh, that time to sort of say, Jesus, save me, um, sort of thing. And so you can build whatever makes sense for you. You can draw up whatever makes the most sense for you. And just know that for some of us, prayer is always going to be one of those things that comes naturally. For some of us, it's going to be one of those things that it's just like it's so easy, it's so effortlessly. And for those of you for whom it doesn't, do the things necessary so that it does become natural. So, for example, set reminders on your phone. Set little alarms in your life somewhere to remind you of this friend, remind you of this person that you're supposed to be staying connected to. And as you do so, I only have one rule, one rule which is you build whatever sort of plan makes the most sense for you. But my one rule is make sure that somewhere in there, 
you have time and space where you don't ask God for anything. Now, some of you are very confused because you're like, then what the heck would we talk about? <laughs> That's actually all my prayer life consists of. God, need a little bit of this. God, need a little bit of that. And boop, moving on with my day. Like, it's only sort of this sort of, like, I need the things. And that's the problem. That's the problem. The problem is, is you didn't know it, but you're participating in that kind of relationship whereby this God is only useful to you, this God is only meaningful to you, this God only possesses any value in your life insofar as this God can give you stuff. And listen, it's not to say God doesn't want to give you stuff, because God does, but God also just wants to be with you. So make sure somewhere in that schedule you make space to just talk to God about what are you dreaming about? What are you thinking about as far as the future? What, what things are, are, are weighing on you? What, what thing has been sort of bouncing around your brain uh, for a really long time? What conflicts are you sort of still processing in your life? If you're a parent, what, what things are you starting to see in your kids that you're excited about, that you're just grateful for? And what are the things that you're, you're, you know you're going to need some wisdom in? Talk to God about your life. Because in those moments, what you're doing is you're reminding yourself that prayer is not just about fixing something. It's about being with someone. I'll close here. Worship team, you can go ahead and come back up. As I close, I'm just going to go ahead and point out uh, what is always the biggest temptation that you're going to face whenever you hear a sermon like this. Whenever you hear sermons like this, it's incredibly tempting to go, okay, so i got to start thinking about this. Like, how am I going to add prayer onto my life? I know it's, uh, there's a lot going on already, but I've I got to figure out sort of how am I going to add prayer in there somewhere. And my advice to you is don't. If right now you're searching your brain of like, how can I add prayer into my life? My encouragement to you is don't. Now, some of you, are, again, are very confused. Don't pray. That doesn't, it seems like this isn't that what uh, you were just talking about for about 25 minutes. Like, what's happening? No, what I'm saying is don't add prayer to your life. You are living in a world right now where we feel like, or maybe you've just been taught this, that you can just add an infinite amount of things onto the top of your life. It kind of looks like this. Imagine sort of like stacking cups. This is the existence many of you are living right now. Many of you are living in existence where with every new opportunity, every new person, every new thing that comes to you, you're just trying to add it on. I'm just going to throw it on top. I'm going to throw it on top. Yeah, I want to be involved in that club. I want to be participating in that. Or yes, I want to volunteer for this at work. Or I want to go, uh, yes, I think I want to be good, better friends with them. Like you're just adding things to your life. And then what happens is it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. When that becomes unsustainable, what happens? Stuff starts falling down. As long as we're being honest, I'm going to be really real with you. You want to know what I've discovered? One of the things that I've observed as a pastor, that most often the first cup to fall, whenever your life becomes unsustainable. You want to know what it is? Mm-hmm. You know. You're looking at me, not even answering it. I know. You know. I know. We all know. 
It's prayer. Quite frankly, it's not even just prayer. So often, when life becomes out of balance or unsustainable, the very first thing to go, quite frankly, is so often the different aspects of our faith. The amount of times I've gotten emails from people who are like, man, we're going to be plugged back in. We're going to be like reconnected. You're going to start seeing us all the time. And then life happens. Don't see me. You know, people who have said, we want to sign up for a ministry. Like, plug, plug us in here, plug us in there. Like, we want to be a part of this sort of thing. And then life gets hard. Life gets busy. You know what happens? They're gone. And sometimes I hold out hope. I'm like, well, maybe they're still maintaining at least a personal, individual connection with God. They're talking to God outside of this place. And, well, by the looks of it, that went out the door as well. So I want you to hear me very clearly. In response to sermons like this, please, for the love of God, please do not try to add prayer to your life. Instead, I want you to swap prayer into your life. I want you to substitute prayer into your life. I want you to leave this and to be thinking, what, or what is something right now that I can remove, I can exchange to make more time for this friendship, to make more time for this relationship? Again, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe for you, it's work. Maybe for you, you've been the type of employee that you finish all your work for the week, and then you could use the last half a day that you have off to reconnect with yourself or reconnect with your partner or reconnect with God. Instead, you keep doing work for next week or the week after that or the week after that, and you wonder why you're buried all the time. Or maybe for you, it's, uh, it's time on screens. I'm willing to bet you can cut down by 30 minutes on that. Or maybe for you, it's just waking up a little bit earlier, going to bed a little bit earlier, sort of to carve time for this. You figure out the practicality. You figure out the how. But please do not try to add prayer to your life. I want you to strategically and intentionally put it somewhere. Show yourself. Show God that it matters. And then defend it. Rigorously defend it. Because maybe, just maybe, once that starts happening, once you start treating it that way, what you'll find is you'll find that prayer is beginning to function like it always was supposed to. You see, it wasn't ever supposed to be this, like, religious chore that you were supposed to do every day. Like, oh, dear God, I forgot to pray this way. It actually wasn't supposed to be that. Furthermore, it also wasn't supposed to be, like, your visit to a divine vending machine whenever you need God's stuff. It actually was never supposed to be any of that. It was supposed to be the time where you rededicated yourself to this friendship, this relationship with God. So that on this day, that day that Jesus spoke of, when you show up, it won't be like seeing a stranger. It won't be like seeing someone you've never known or understood before. You do it because you and I want to reach this day. And we want this day to feel like coming home. We want this day to feel like coming into the arms of the person who's known you your whole life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. All God's children said.
Amen. Thank you for listening to the Peak Podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever podcasts can be found. For more information on how to get connected with our church, please visit us at thepeakchurch.org.